You ready to go? Okay. Okay, fine. So as we mentioned, um, as we mentioned before, obviously, this is an issue that doesn't only uh, come up, didn't just come up now with the scandal, but it's something that comes up very often. I took a look just quickly at some of the stats, national statistics, on the prevalence of child abuse, all kinds of child abuse. The truth is the the most prevalent form of child abuse is actually neglect. Over 70% of cases of child abuse are neglect cases. All the other kinds um, are much less prevalent, but still very prevalent. So prevalent, um, that they say that a report of child abuse is made every 10 seconds in the United States. Um, this is the one that, st- I, was, I couldn't believe this one. More than five children die every day as a result of child abuse. Okay. In the United States. I think if it would be real in the news, they talk about it. I'll tell you what else I saw. More than 90% of juvenile sexual abuse victims know their perpetrator in some way, which makes sense. Um, about 30% of abused and neglected children will later abuse their own children. Which is not surprising, but horrifying to think of. And the other very interesting thing, I think, which we've seen, unfortunately, is that child abuse occurs at every socioeconomic level, across ethnic and cultural lines, and within all religions, and at all levels of education. It's not something that's relegated to one segment of the population. It happens, unfortunately, everywhere. Um, And therefore, it, it makes it even more relevant for basically anybody, no matter where we are, no matter where we live. So the first question we have to deal with is, why in the world, what, what are we even asking the question about? Why would there be any question about reporting su- a, a case of child abuse? Because people don't. Okay, so you find that it doesn't sometimes. I mean, you find, unfortunately, sometimes in the firm community, yeah. that, that, that in, the, in, the very, in the Orthodox community, it's sort of one of these things that, unfortunately, like has been true with a lot of issues. We don't want to talk about it, you sweep it under the rug. Right. And that makes it even worse. Would they go to the rabbi? Okay. So the question... I have a son-in-law, and that is what he does. That is his... The child abuse. The teenage abuse and drug abuse. Right. And, and the effect of parental... I mean, some of the right. horror... I mean, there are a lot of horror stories. Horror stories. Horrible things. 12, 13, 14 years right. old. Exactly. But then we go, so, is changing in the past two or three years. Right. No, no. There's, there's a no, there's been a great, there's been a great movement over the past number of years to really expose this. Dr. Pelkovitz, who works at Yeshiva University, has gone into all kinds of neighborhoods, and he's really there's a, there's a there's an organization called Nefesh, which is an organization of Jewish mental health professionals who have kind of made it their business to get the word out and to speak to specifically the Orthodox community about this issue, among others. Let, let's get to our sources for, for right now. We'll come back to this again. So the Gemara says, in source number one in Rosh Hashanah, that a person who informs, a Jew who informs another Jew, is so bad that they go down to Gehenna and they're punished there for all generations. Right? A person who rats on another Jew to the secular government one of the worst things to say that they're, that they're messed up even in their, the end of their life. 
seems like, but what could it be that the person does that's so horrible? And Rashi mentions in source number two, who are these informers, who's a Moser? He, he actually uses the word, the Malshinim. We say in, in the Shmon Eshe, you see how serious the issue was of people who were, who were you know, looking to get other Jews, that if they actually had a, sec, a, new, a new part of the Shmon Esra, specifically to ask Hashem to protect us from such people. So there were such people in that time. Who are they? Talebearers, it says, who give the wealth of the Jews over to the idolaters. There are other explanations given by other commentaries. But the basic, the basic point, Virgil Schechter writes this in one of his articles. Schechter is one of the Rosh Yeshiva, the heads of the Yeshiva, Yeshiva University. World-renowned, as we mentioned many times before, one of the greatest scholars in, in the world right now. And Schechter writes that a Moser is who? One who aids a pirate, a crooked government official, or a tyrant king to obtain money illegally from his fellow Jew. Even if the Jew has actually done something, done something wrong, but if the secular government or the ruler would exact a punishment far beyond that which the crime should require, then it's likewise forbidden to report him. Okay, that was in those days. And where that, where that's even in these days, if you're reporting to such a government. Um, so Rufshachter's... St- defines it in that way very specifically, and we're going to see more how that is. Okay. The Gemara gives another couple of interesting cases. Number one is the case of Mar Ukva. Mar Ukva has these guys who are bugging him, and he calls Rabbi Elazar, and he says, Rabbi Elazar, can I get rid of them? Can I report on them? And he says, no, you can't report on them. Just, just be quiet. Leave them alone. They're not bothering you that much. It's certainly not worth, again, a report to the secular government meant, meant death to these guys. He says, absolutely not. You can't do it. And then they really start to harass him really bad. He says, they're really harassing me really hard. Let, let me go. And he says, absolutely not. Don't do it. Wait. And he waits, and sure enough, it's interesting. And the Gemara, sure enough, it gets taken care of on its own. But the point is, that no matter how bad these guys were harassing him, the answer was, it's absolutely forbidden to report on them in this way because of what's going to happen to them if you do so. They haven't violated any law. They're just really giving you a hard time. It's absolutely forbidden. Does that apply to a spouse? <laughs> <laughs> So that the the Gemara in source number four in Bava Metzia, which you all saw, tells another story. Rabbi Lazar, the son of Rabbi Shimon, who himself is a long story before and how this happened. Basically, he gets appointed by the government to go find people who are stealing from the government. It's not clear how much they're stealing. If they're really stealing, but he's ordered by the royalty to go ahead and find these people, and he does just. Jewish, other Jews. And he does just that. He goes right ahead and he does it. Again, he's our Namora. He's a big rabbi. And he gets accosted by another rabbi. He says, what are you doing? And he says, what do you mean? I'm doing my job. He says, let someone else do your job. And then you have another case. Later on, with Elijah the prophet comes again to another rabbi who's doing the same thing. And he says, rather than give someone over to the government, you should run away. So there's one interesting thing. The commentators are all bothered though. These are these are big rabbis who are doing the informing. It's not like some guy. So how could it be? So the Rashbah mentions, he says, they, they, they weren't telling him that it's absolutely forbidden. They're saying, it, you know, it's not right for you, a big rabbi, to be like the, you know, the guy sending other Jews away. But, really, because they use, actually use this as a proof, that in certain situations, if the government has the mandate to collect funds, a Jew can, can certainly inform on another Jew to get those funds to the government as needed. There's an interesting question that comes up. Can a Jew be an IR, work for the IRS? 
Why? Because if you're working for the IRS, you're going to end up finding other Jews who are cheating on their taxes and sending them in to Mises' government. The land. So it's again, so 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 generally, it's assumed that it's permissible. It's not their but either, correct, correct, good. Well, so far, we've seen only talking about monetary. If I'm not talking about the Parshat Shemot and the Kahal Put Nachsin Shatim. But the Nazis did. They had Jews, Jews yeah, in charge of other Jews, right? And it was discussing between them if to report for the right. Egyptian about someone else walking out. So right. I'm just following orders, right? Just following orders. Where does that take us? Okay. So take a look in Shulchan Aruch in source number five. So in the Code of Jewish Law, in the Shulchan Aruch, it says that it's absolutely forbidden for a Jew to inform him upon, upon another Jew, even if he's a wicked person, he's a sinner, and even if he's really bothering you, he's really harassing you. So the Ramah adds, that's only if he's harassing you with words. But if he's attacking you, it's going to be different. The Shach says in source number six, that if the guy is coming and attacking the person physically, says the Shach, not only is it now permissible to report, <coughs> you have to. Required. So the shach already starts to put a crack in the ceiling a little bit that, wait a second, this whole law may not apply in situations where there's physical damage being done. Maybe this is a monetary issue, but certainly when the person is physically damaging another person, that may now give us a, a, a leniency now to let us step in. The, the rabbis before him, it's hard for me to believe, as smart as they mm-hmm. were, that they would not, like, you know, make it, they would make a blanket rule like that. Correct. The shach is not, when the shach comes, you're right, the shach lives in the 1700s. When the shach comes and makes his explanation, it's not like, oh, now the shach said this and now all the rules change. What it basically means is that that was his understanding, of, that was the understanding of the law all along. Just right. he was the one who wrote it down. Meaning, just okay. because one, okay. you're, it's a good point, just because one rabbi print, prints uh, right. you know, a book with a certain rule doesn't mean that this wasn't the understanding beforehand also. Right. He's explaining it. No, you have to understand that when the Shulchan Aruch writes this, he means it in the following and way. we even saw from the Torah that Correct. You, you, a, just got to stay right, it's a tradition. Right. It shows, you know, right. you know one extreme. Correct. Right. Right. It's not before the Shach, no one, even, no one knew right. this. Correct. Thank you. That's a good point. So the Aruch HaShulchan, the source of Reserves, is something that is wild, but it becomes relatively accepted by many of the later, um, the later, the size of Jerusalem, the later rabbis. The Rechashokhan, who himself was a shul rabbi in Lithuania in the 1800s, he says, look at source number 7. He says, it's known to all those who've read about the generations before us that in the earlier times in far-off lands a person did not have protection, whether physically or monetarily, from bandits and rapists, even though they called themselves the government. <laughs> Meaning, as in the case even today, in many places in Africa, he says, whatever, where the government's involved in robbery and violence. And he says, thank God for the czar... The Russian czar, he lived in Russia. Right, well, in Lithuania. So, um, and thank God for England and all these countries who are now spreading just laws. What does he mean to say when he says that? Because there was no government. Really that what, was, what was the government before? It was just as good as the rapists and the murderers themselves. So informing to them wasn't helping anybody. It was making it worse. When I was in, when I, when I was in Yeshiva, we went on a trip to, to Poland. We didn't just go to Poland, we also went to Ukraine. And don't ever go to Ukraine. If you go into the Ukrainian uh, airport, it is it's crazy. It's like the Russian mafia controls the whole place. Everyone's in uniform. These guys do whatever they want. They take whatever they want. It's, just, it's literally like this. It probably used to be much worse. But these guys, it's as if you don't feel safe from the government. You feel like the government's out to get you. And that's what it's like. 
the, we're going to see, we'll see that um, the Tzitzel Yezra, Rabbi Waldenberg, who we're going to quote in a moment, brings this Aruch HaSholchan. He uses this as one of his proofs for why nowadays reporting in many situations, it's one, again, not everyone agrees with Aruch HaSholchan, but it's one thing to use when you need a leniency that, well, wait a second, and maybe this whole rule doesn't really apply as much when you're dealing with just governments. You're going to report now to the police who work in a just manner, maybe it's not exactly Jewish law, but it's, but it's close, that might change the whole game anyways. But let's see another reason why um, our question of reporting on abusers is really very different, maybe, than the point we're talking about until now. Source number eight, we have the famous verse from Kedoshin. This actually was the verse that Eli Wiesel spoke about when he came to speak at the College of Charleston. He named his... Um, speech, don't, don't stand out of the by. Says the Pasuk in source number 8 in Leviticus 19.16, You shall not go up and down as a talebearer among your people, neither shall you stand idly by the blood of your brother, I am the Lord. Fascinating juxtaposition of two laws. The first law is the law prohibiting Lashon Hara, speaking negatively about other people. The very next law, right next to it, is the law but don't stand idly by. Meaning that a lot of times, and this is a big, a big mistake that happens, people say, ah, oh, we can't talk about other people who do these types of horrible things. It's Lashon Hara. You can't say that about another person. And the answer is just the opposite. Standing behind Lashon Hara and saying that, reporting on a person who, 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 who abuses children, and say, oh, we can't talk about him in public because it's defaming his name. What are you talking about? It's just the opposite. By not talking about it, you're putting other people at risk. You're standing idly by when other children are being abused. Yeah. What about hearsay? Okay, so we're going to get to that in a second. Good. So, what if you don't really know? What if you're not sure? Good. So I'm not against all the Gemara in source number nine. Source number nine is just the proof the Gemara knows that if someone is going to kill another person, sexually assault another person, it's, it's a mitzvah to do whatever you can to stop them even if the thing you have to do is kill them. We don't usually employ this. You can usually find other methods of getting this person before they do what they're going to do. But the point being that it's such a, it's considered so horrible, this person going after another person either to kill them or to rape them or do something like of that kind, of that nature, that the, the halacha is that you're even allowed to murder such a person. Why? Says the Gemara, don't send out anybody. Okay. So the question becomes then, what about this scenario? A child, children being um, abused by an, by an adult, whether it's a teacher or it's a, you know, a coach or whatever these scenarios, scenarios are. After we've seen kind of all these two sides, the question becomes what happens? And Rabbi, Rabbi Waldenberg was asked this question in source number 10 by Rabbi, Abraham, Rabbi Dr. Abraham Abraham. Rabbi Dr. Abraham Abraham um, still alive today. He wrote a big. He's a doc. He's a doctor who's also a Talmud Chacham. He's also a scholar, and he wrote a whole section of books called the Nishmas Avraham, which are all about medical halacha. So he takes the entire Shulchan Aruch, the entire Code of Jewish Law, and he writes a commentary. And the whole thing is about you know situation in medical procedures and people who are sick and all what how the halacha would apply to these people. And he asked Rabbi Waldenberg a number of questions. Number one, he asked, "What about?" A person, a, a doctor who finds a child comes in, as the often house found out, a child comes in with all kinds of 
bruises and things that are clear that have been done intentionally. You find a child who's been sexually molested. What's the responsibility of the doctor in that case? Because remember also, if you, if you tell the police, you're breaking Hippocratic Oath, possibly, probably not if, it, if they're in danger. Um, but you're also, what's going to happen is that DSS is going to take the kid and they take him to foster care. They won't put, they'll be take him into a, a non-Jewish facility. They'll be separated from the Jewish community. Again, you're saving their life. But there's, the question is, at what point, what is the, what is the doctor's responsibility? So, Wallenberg writes as follows in source number 10. Regarding your first question, which is parents physically abusing their child, it appears as follows. If there's a basis for assuming that the parents of this child will continue abusing them in this way, which is in most cases, and even worse to a point where he could potentially die, since the doctor is only telling the police to save this child from his parents, he is required to do so in order to save one Jewish life from being destroyed. Simple. You must. And with regard to what the authorities will do later, in order to save him, the doctor is considered only an indirect cause, and there's no violation of what he calls placing a stumbling block. This kid's not going to eat not kosher, he's not going to keep Shabbos. He says, it doesn't matter. At that point, that's not your problem. You've got to protect this kid. You tell the police, they get him out. Everything else that's going to happen is going to be, you know, not your, not your, not your problem. Um, he does speak later, and there are other... Uh, posting himself later, that it still should be a responsibility of the doctor to try to do whatever he can to get this kid placed in with a Jewish family or placed in a Jewish facility, if possible. But that's the second step. The first step is get him out. Um, I also wonder by the state law. I mean, like, if you're a doctor, if you know, if, if you're not reporting... Right, you get fired. You can be... Right, correct. Yeah, you, as, you're as, as teachers, yeah. correct, right. Even my name, that's another question. That's a great. You know about it? They said, "Yeah, I know, but I scared the report. You'll be in trouble." You'll be in trouble, correct? Yeah, you can go to jail. But exactly. also, the DSS always has kind of suitable relative to the child to place to place the child Good. with a relative. So, yeah. so it wouldn't even happen. It won't happen. But right. could happen. Yeah. Right. Right. And he's saying, even if it would happen, right. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Good. However, this is an important point, and this is, we're not trying to be uh, sympathizers here, but it's an important point. However, if the circumstances are not clear, then one would be prohibited from doing so if the child would like to be placed in a non-Jewish environment. His point is, there are scenarios, and we'll talk about this at the end, where accusations are not clear if they're correct or not correct. And to jump to conclusions is also, is also you know, we're talking about serious violations in both directions here. Remember, if you hand the person over and you're correct, then good, you're saving the kid's life. But if you're doing it and you're wrong, you're defaming this person, you're, you're violating the, the problems of Mysterio, you're, there's a lot of things to deal with here. So it's not, again, generally, if there's any question, you go ahead and you report. Your but you have, to, you have to take certain things um, seriously. Also, there seems to be like the assumption that if you report the possibility of abuse, the child's automatically going to be removed from the house, which isn't how, you know, is that not Is that no, not true? And not it's not true. It's okay. not, I mean, yeah, it's domestic. Domestic. So, okay. I mean, I feel like, you know, this... So again, it always depends on what the situation is. Right. Correct. And if, the, and if the situation is different maybe in Israel than it was in, in, in America, you have to know what... And this, is, and this is why the bottom line is going to be that before a person goes right away and reports immediately, it is an important thing to check in with your rabbi for a moment, just to, just to tell a story, not because the rabbi can say, oh, don't say anything, oh, okay, fine, you can cover it up. That's not the point. The point is because it's not, oh, ju- it, is a, it is a complicated halakha question also. 
So it certainly is appropriate, and there are specific rabbis, we'll get to it at the end, there are specific rabbis who deal with these questions. There's a big rabbi in, in New York, his name is Rabbi David Cohen. He works for an organization called OHEL, which works with abused families, abused women, abused children, and he's an expert on these cases. And so when people have these questions, you don't go to your, you know, maybe you come to your local rabbi who then sends you to talk to Rabbi David Cohen or these experts who then are, know, know the stories, know what happens, know, know, know the details here and are able to then instruct further. But it's and not... They look for us. If the, if, the, if the government know about from family the abuse a child, do not exactly deal with the case by the regular. Okay, what? Well, think by right, wow, yeah. we get something very important, very good. So this is the reason you have to ask before, before you report, how to report. The Again, that, that I want to make that's a, you're right. I, that's to me the minor, the it's an important point, but it's the side, sort of the side point. The most important point is to make clear that it's a requirement to report if there's any question. The it is also important to make sure we're not just jumping to conclusions. But the main point I want to make, and we'll, and we'll get there further. Is that's very very important. But what you said, a requirement to report. If there's any question, report it. Right. That's not what it says here. Okay, so, so let's keep on going. Let's keep reading the sources. Okay. Um, good. Regarding a father who is sexually abusing his daughter, the law would be the same as I mentioned above. For one who pursues someone to sexually assault them is the same as one who pursues them to murder them. The Gemara said that. Okay, it's an important point. We don't always equate them. They're equatable. In halach, it's the same thing. And one and one would be required to stop it. And the fact that the Shulchan Aruch states that one may not turn someone over to the government, even if they are wicked and sinful, uh, what about that Shulchan Aruch that says you can't turn them yeah. over even if they're wicked? He says um, that has nothing to do with our case. Why? For that is not with regard to saving him from his wickedness, rather where they want to hand him over in order to defame him. However, in our case, we're trying to keep him from exercising his desire to sin. Certainly, it's permissible. And certainly, this is not similar to the case in Shulchan Aruch that one may not inform even if he's causing one pain and suffering. For in this case, he's damaging her body and soul, as I mentioned before. Then Shulchan Aruch says he's just harassing you, but if he's damaging a person, forget about it. Okay. And he writes, he quotes also the Shach. The Shach writes, as well we mentioned before, that one's informing you order to prevent further abuse, that's permissible as well. Okay. In this case, it is much worse than regular injury, in which case one may inform on this person in order to, uh, that this not occur in the future. Why? For the rabbinical court is the father of young children. That's our job. The halacha's job is to protect children. Okay. And this would certainly be true as well regarding teachers and schools who are also damaging the public, not just one child. A teacher in a school city, that, that's oftentimes the case that happened. It's reported to the principal, not to somebody else. Okay. Um, Does halacha make a distinction between a woman doing it to a male no. or any child. No, correct. It's a good question. No, there's no difference um, in terms of the, to post about that specifically. There's no difference in between the gender of the perpetrator or the gender of the person being being uh, attacked. Um, I'm going to skip source number eleven. It's an interesting point, but he basically just mentions how there are many, many other rabbis who all say the same thing, and they all agree with this. And he quotes Rabbi, Rabbi Abraham, who wrote this book, where he again he quotes. This, he quotes, the, Rabbi Abraham in his book quotes this very responsa of the, of the Tzitzel Yezer, Rabbi Lundenberg, and fine. Rabbi Jachter, in source number 12, quotes Rabbi Shechter. Rabbi Shechter, we mentioned before, um, from, y, from Yeshiva University, who says as follows. And he mentioned this, Rabbi Shechter says this in a, in a, 
in a public forum, there was, a, there was actually a forum in Teaneck, New Jersey, where Rosh just spoke about just this issue and all these questions. Um, it was before. It was before that. Um, came up a few years ago that he they had this discussion. So Rav Schechter stressed that parents and educators should teach children to report to them causes of abuse. I mean, we should teach our children as much as we teach our children not to tattletale and not to speak lashon hara. We should teach them the opposite when it comes to abuse. He noted that most cases of abuse go unreported in part because the victims were not trained and prepared to report such behavior. Once parents and educators inform youngsters of their being open to such reports. The incidence of unreported abuse should subside, at least somewhat. Rishafta cautions, though, that sometimes these reports are of highly questionable veracity. It does happen sometimes. Therefore, he advises Rabbanim to consult competent professionals who can determine the legitimacy of their claims of abuse. Interesting. He's writing this to the rabbis. At the rabbis, when they get someone comes to them with a, with a, a claim, the rabbi shouldn't decide for himself whether this claim is appropriate or not. That's when you go to a psychologist, to a social worker, to a, whoever it is, who is, who is an expert in this, it's the rabbi's job not to make the decision, it's the rabbi's job to do his homework. It's very important. This concern also stresses the need for each case being presented to a competent halachic authority for adjudication before reporting such cases to government authority. Rabbi Yashiv expresses similar concern. Rabbi Yashiv, who is the biggest halachic authority in Israel, says the same thing. Um, and you're right, an example of a rav who makes such determinations is Rabbi David Cohen who serves as the postdoc for OHEL and New York's social service organization, who regularly is posed with such situations for adjudication. Fine. Um, I know a case, actually, of a rabbi in a certain community, not around here, who was accused. It wasn't of child abuses of... of um, it was accused by a woman of doing something which it seems pretty clear that he didn't do. Um, but once it came out, it was merely in the paper, and everybody knew about it. He was a famous family. He was done. He was finished. He can't get a job anymore ever again. Again, do I know personally for sure he didn't do it? No, I don't know for sure. But the general consensus is that there's something that he didn't do. But the report was taken seriously right away, sent right away to the papers, and that this got fired, and that was the end. I'm not here to give a talk about defending people who possibly are abusing other people. That's not the point. But it is important to have a discussion like this, that this is, this is the two sides. We, we can't speak Lashon Hara, we can't stand uh, Dubai. And it's a very, you know, it's a very careful balance. I think we have to be more concerned with the people being abused, but there is something to be said for being careful at the same time. Sometimes there's a difference between going to the media correct. versus going to the appropriate channels. Correct. 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 I agree with you. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Correct. It's just an accusation made to... At the same time, sometimes accusations well, made to the media to, to, to the police also become, well, you know, to go, to go, to get publicized immediately by the media as well. Yeah, right. It goes together a little bit of things also. Right. Right. It happens, it happens. But I think that's probably the minority of cases, I would imagine. Okay. Um, I think what we've seen... So far, you're only one more source. Is that it's not it's the the when you came in here, I think you knew the answer. Right? You came in knowing the answer, but I think what we've seen so far is that even if we think we know the answer because it feels right, we have to see what the halacha says, as we always say. What does the Torah say about such a thing? And it's actually a little bit more delicate than maybe we would have thought beforehand. But but the the sensitivity that the halacha has 
to the rights of every human being, adult, male, female, child, it doesn't matter. The most important thing is defending the rights of those people, which is, but again, it means all people. And it means being able to, to think with a level head and to really pay attention to really, and to really do our diligence, both to stand up for those who are being attacked and to be careful to make sure we're not making false accusations. But, but it's not just that it's a nice thing to do, it's a Torah requirement. And I think when we see it in that light, it changes things a lot. I want to close with source number 13. Pisle Tshuva is a source from the 1600s, 1700s, um, who is a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. This is not, you know, a 21st century rabbi. He writes a fascinating thing. All the Musr books, right? Musr is the, the idea of working on one's character. Admonish people regarding the sin of Lashon Hara, people who speak Lashon Hara, gossip. I admonish the world about a greater, more prevalent sin, namely, not speaking up when necessary to protect the oppressed from the oppressor. By not speaking up, you violate the commandment, Lotamur Adam Reyacha. Similarly, he says in monetary matters, we're obligated by Hashavat Haveda to return someone's lost object, returning a lost article to its owner. If you see that someone's employees are stealing from him, or a person's partner is taking advantage of him, someone is being misled in a business transaction, or an individual seeks to borrow money, and he's someone who doesn't pay his debts. And similarly, in matters of matchmaking, if you possess knowledge that this person has a bad character, all these are examples of Hashavah Saveda. There's always this question, but Rabbi, it's Lashon Hara. All of a sudden it becomes Lashon Hara when we're uncomfortable. Oh, it's Lashon Hara, I can't say it. Right? When, it's, when it's juicy, it's not Lashon Hara. But when it's, oh, I don't want to say anything. Oh, I can't do it, it's Lashon Hara. It's very, very dangerous. And worse than not doing something when you're supposed to, it's to pretend that you're hiding behind the Torah as your excuse for not doing it. Even more dangerous. So, I think I didn't tell you anything tonight that you didn't already know. But if it does nothing else, we should never, this should be what we call halacha v'lolamasa. It should be halacha that we know we never, ever, ever, ever have to employ it. But it's important for us to know and to keep, our, keep ourselves aware, to know the halacha, to know what the situation is. And I hope um, that as we continue to do this and the merit of us learning these halachos, we should never, ever, ever have to come into contact with our community. Amen.